The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two this morning, Pavan Brach is here, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, real estate development, and a part-time farmer. Uh, longest title we have on the panels, I will add. Sorry about that. And like I say, Dowson is here, we can CTV fix that. commentator. Well, I like that you're a farmer. And Laura Babcock from Power Group Communications, host of The O Show. Good morning to everybody. Listen, let's pick up the uh, conversation from where we just left off with Brad Bradford and the city's lawyer says, yeah, we're pretty vulnerable in this conflict with Uber. We could lose, and we might have to end up paying Uber's legal expenses. Pavan, most people saw this coming. Yeah, I guess so. They're a powerful company. Uh, You know, their their argument, the Uber argument, is that the city acted in bad faith without notice, violating the city's own procedural bylaws. So, first of all, I have to say, I find that rather rich. Uh, because, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that these guys came in and completely disrupted um, bylaws and, and a system of licensing taxi companies uh, with plates and and uh, controlling the number of plates and operators that were in the city uh, and, uh, and, and disrupted the industry entirely. And now that the city is trying to, to kind of put a cap on how many thousands of Uber drivers there are in the city, they're arguing, uh, they're trying to wrap themselves in the flag of, 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 of order, peace order and good government here. So I find that rich. I do have an issue, though, having said all of that, with the fact that, uh, you know, there the, a lot of councils, unfortunately, are moving too swiftly. And I think a lot of times you've got groups and activist groups often who show up at council or at, in, in many cities, not just Toronto, and uh, propose changes that are quite dramatic. And uh, there isn't a lot of time to debate. So I am, I do think that we do need to slow down. And, and some of those activist kind of motions have to be properly discussed and debated. But I don't have a huge amount of sympathy for Uber. And at the end of the day, I mean, honestly, for Olivia Chow, I don't understand how people avoiding buying cars and parking cars on streets by using uh, ride sharing or ride apps or, or taxis is bad for the environment. I, I honestly don't get that. Laura Babcock, one of the accusations is that this particular mayor is a little bit too cozy with the uh, taxi lobby and that she's just kind of doing their bidding and cracking down on uber i hope that's not the case i mean she is putting the city at a bit of a risk for cost the the numbers in this lawsuit potentially aren't exorbitant for a city the size of toronto and it sounds as though her main motivator here is about carbon emissions and about reducing the traffic on the streets i mean if you look at places like paris that alternate by your license plate so there's not so many cars congesting the city it makes her a nicer place to be i was in toronto i took a rare drive in these days john (laughs) decided actually to meet somebody downtown Toronto and regretted it instantly. (laughs) I mean, driving downtown Toronto is terrible. And if there are more and more cars all over the streets, it can be extremely difficult for the city to move forward on a host of fronts. So uh, I think that the mayor has to stick to her guns on this. And as to the activist argument that Pavin's making, sure, that happens. But this very much seems like something that Olivia herself owns. Uh, and she'll need to own it, especially if it goes sideways. Well, it will be interesting to see what happens on council today. And like I say, Dowson, if she sticks to her guns, I think, as Laura said, it's not exorbitant, but I think it's uh, we're going to spend 40,000 on lawyers and we could be on the hook for 150,000 for Uber's lawyers if we lose. Right. And I mean, that isn't a huge amount of money for a city the size of Toronto. I, I agree that Uber is a bad corporate actor. Those guys came into every city in Canada and just bigfooted everybody. They're not the nicest guys. So, you know, if we can get more cars off the streets uh, in Toronto and downtown Montreal, so much the better. I think transit, cycling, 
you know, those are the those are the ways to go, especially in the wake of the the COP twenty four stuff about fossil fuels. Like, uh, it's not just Toronto that's unbearable to drive in. There's nowhere to park. It's just ridiculous. Like, we we need to be thinking about better solutions to the downtown function. Bob Ray was fairly candid in our conversation just a few minutes ago on News Talk ten ten, and he was defending the fact that Canada has readjusted its uh, posture on Israel. But effectively, what we're saying now is we need a humanitarian ceasefire because the situation has become all too deadly and potentially even more people are going to die as the result of a humanitarian crisis. All that is prelude, let me start with. And like I say, Dowson, I know that some people are going to be outraged by Canada's change of wording here, but it does also seem to be in line with the global consensus. Increasingly, the people who support the Netanyahu government are uh, fewer and fewer internationally. And, uh, you know, Canada has moved away from the idea of a pause to a full humanitarian ceasefire, understandably, I think. Many of us are watching what's going on in Gaza with, I mean, horror. After the attack by Hamas in, uh, earlier that triggered this whole thing, I mean, it just seems so out of proportion, the response and the number of civilian deaths. So, so maybe they've gotten some Hamas combatants but they are also killing huge numbers of children. It's just, it, 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 it's unbearable to watch. So I think that there is a lot of pressure inside the caucus. Um, there are divisions amongst uh, the federal liberals and even um, I think probably amongst the other political caucuses as well about what is the best thing to do uh, in, you know, in the face of this, uh, this disaster. Yeah, Pavan, I think one of the things that has been a dynamic for the last two months is that any criticism of any kind of Israel is framed as anti-Semitic. And now all of a sudden we have this reversal. Yeah, it's been so complicated. <laughs> you know, I think we've all we've all tiptoed around it. Uh, the, the reality is, is that uh, it, it you know, it's very hard to take the side of either side. I mean, it's very difficult. It's horrible what happened in Israel and it's horrible what's happening now. Uh, I, you know, in terms of the exchange of fire, I, I do, I do think, though, however, that we, you know, a lot of us kind of forget that that there's still, you know, Hamas is still actively firing rockets at Israel hour after hour, uh, and that they continue to hold hostages. And on the other side of things is uh, obviously the horror that's being inflicted on on uh, innocent children and women and, and men and civilians. So, you know, I, I think we all do want peace, um, and I think, uh, but it, it's obviously something that uh, that we have to look at fully framed and, and understand where it's going. But I do think I, I do I am hopeful that we're going to see some some form of cessation of hostilities and hopefully the return of these hostages who are still sitting there. Yeah. And Laura Babcock uh, and like I say Dowson was mentioning that there's dissent in the Liberal uh, caucus and cabinet. But what's interesting is it's precisely that dissent that prompted Justin Trudeau to change his tone. Yeah. Uh, how can we watch as a world when children by these numbers are dying, when we're hearing daily from trusted organizations? I'm not talking about the Hamas health ministry. I'm talking about trusted foreign organizations that are on the ground there saying that there are so many children suffering from the bombs, right? Like we, we can't watch this as a world. We understand that violence is never an end. Uh, it just creates a cycle and that diplomacy and a two-state solution is what all of the world wants in this situation. Uh, so the Netanyahu government had the opportunity to go in and to route as many as they could, and the world was very much supportive. What happened that day was horrendous, and the Jewish people did not deserve it in any way. 
and they should be able to take out some of the threat against their country. Uh, but it cannot go for forever. We have to get aid into those children, uh, to those innocent people in Gaza, and we have to force a diplomatic solution, at least some sort of conversation around releasing the hostages and getting a humanitarian ceasefire, because that's what it's about. We all are on the side of humanity. To Pavin's point, there's a lot of nuance and difficulties in this conflict, but being on the side of humanity shouldn't be a difficult thing for us all to agree on. Canada's federal housing minister is going to join us after the nine o'clock news to talk about a new strategy. But let me run through with you folks very quickly to see what you have to say about this idea. Basically, it's taking a post-war strategy and reapplying it. We'll come up with a bunch of blueprints for easily buildable houses. We'll give them away for free and we'll mandate people, you know, just go and build. Uh, Pavan Brach, your thoughts. Well, uh, you know, first of all, I have to say, John, I always applaud people taking courageous action, <clears throat> excuse me, in the face of an issue. So I do like that something, something is on the table that's different, that's unique. Maybe it's a bit a bit, a bit retro in terms of the, the, the style of the housing, et cetera, but it's great. So I do applaud it. But I, having said that, you know, I think one of the bigger issues still is that, you know, this, this fighting in terms of where we can build. And, uh, you know, that I would point out that there are a lot of lands that were actually planned for future expansion. Uh, around cities where roads and sewers were brought up to that point and these are these lands are typically referred to as white belt lands right and these are the lands where you might actually where the city had planned 30 40 years out to to build and and there's still a, there's still a huge movement to prevent that from happening so we, we keep hearing these kind of anti-sprawl arguments but now we're hearing you know a lot of people that are fairly kind of on the side of of, of housing saying let's build these houses and there's this continued conflict where white belt lands are are still being you know uh, are still being restricted in terms of being uh, developed so i don't know where they're going to build these little houses uh but i do love i do love the leadership side of it and and i do like innovation uh and i think that's that part that part's great yeah well and i'm not convinced they're going to be little houses i mean that was the way we did it post world war ii but laura babcock you know come up with a design for a fourplex and drop it down on a property in Toronto, where we currently have a semi-detached house and we double our housing. Well, that's the whole thing with this policy, and I love it. This actually could be something that saves the Trudeau government, at least in part. They're actually doing something. When when we were hearing that, you know, it wasn't a federal responsibility housing, I was losing my mind because they have a national housing strategy. What a ridiculous position that was. So it's good to see they're coming out swinging now, finally, for all of us who've been calling for a wartime effort. My first house I purchased 25 years ago at this time, John, was actually one of those victory houses, tiny little house, perfectly fine for a starter family. <laughs> We need them. And frankly, there's a second stage to this thing. It's it's there's going to be these, you know, these houses that are going to be in the design catalog. And then they're going to look at densification options like you're talking about. And as for the white belt, you know, cities were tasked by coming up with ways to meet the, ta the housing targets and they created their urban boundaries. There's plenty of opportunity to build. And what we need to do is stop blaming and stop, you know, looking at ideas and finding the issues with them and start get rolling. We have a homeless crisis in this country that's not going to get better unless we can transition people into affordable apartments and housing right away. So good on the Trudeau government this time. And, and like I say, Dowson, I guess I'm an ex-Montrealer. You are a Montrealer. We kind of roll our eyes because we grew up with six plexes and every, everybody thought <laughs> that, that was true. fine to live yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah, high density housing in downtown areas, which works pretty well because the places are fairly spacious. Yeah, so 
definitely a possible prototype with that type of housing, uh, sort of building on the semi-detached model that's so common in Toronto. But also, I mean, 30 years after the Conservatives and Liberals gutted the CMHC and non-profit and co-op housing policies, we have this crisis, and not just in Toronto, it's right across Canada. So I agree, this creativity and going back to this kind of uh, cookie-cutter housing approach shows some originality and some creativity at the federal level. And I hope the provinces and the cities run with this because this has got to be addressed. I mean, you know, people need places that are reasonable to live, which won't require them to live in, I don't know, Cochrane, Ontario, seven and a half hours from the city. Well. And John, if I just may say, like these houses that they're putting in this catalog yeah. are kind of meeting all of the criteria for quick builds, right? To get yes. past all the red tape at municipal levels. Thank you all. Good to have you. No shade on Cochrane there. I'm sure that it's a <laughs> lovely place. Creativity Laura. is pretty impressive up there in Cochrane. <laughs> Laura, Laura Babcock, Pavan Brach, and Anne Legacy Dowson. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.